Welcome to Japan According to Akio. Everything you wanted to know or didn't think you needed to know about Japan. With me, your host, Akio, living in Japan since 2004 and giving you the lowdown on what it's like to live in and around Tokyo. Yo, what's up? Welcome to episode 38. 38. It's the Akio Economic Forum. <laughs> no, no, no.、Um, but we, I went off on a, on a pretty lengthy, lengthier than I thought it would be, as always, right?、Uh, timeline or explanation of post war Japan、um, and the economic developments that, in general, of course, plus with a bit of my secret sauce speculation.、Um, A timeline of, you know, a general timeline of some of the major events that happened that really shaped Japan as it is currently, and, you know, some of the differences in ways of thinking between different generations of Japanese people. I think it's pretty valuable.、Um, so、it's something I, I spent several years of my life casually looking into, and if you're thinking about coming to Japan or just want to know more about Japan in general, I think it's something that you should look into too. Um, ninjas and samurai shit are interesting, but post war Japan is something that、um, I think、uh, needs a bit of attention as well. So, if you really want to understand what Japan is all about, definitely listen to this episode, take some notes. I give some movie, video, and other fucking pictorial <laughs> recommendations. So, take some notes, check it out for yourself. Hit me up if you have any more questions. But don't worry about that for now. Just enjoy the shit, man. Yo, what's up, everyone? It's episode 38. I'm feeling great. Thanks for joining me again for another episode of Japan According to Akio. Hopefully, this one's gonna be better than last week's.、Um, yeah, I listened to it and I guess I was a little bit hard on myself, but you know, it's all good.、Um, we're back. We got a topic today that I'm, I'm kind of excited to talk to you guys about. I'm also in an upright position sitting at.、Uh, You know, sitting in a chair, upright, you know, my posture's good, and I got some alcohol, which always makes things better.、Um, I, crack, I found a dusty bottle of wine because I haven't been drunk in a while, and today's my day off, so I was like, let me, you know, get a little sauce in my system、uh, after like a nice day. So,、um, doing stuff, you know, hanging out with my son. It's Mother's Day here in Japan, you know, everyone's out, but it was cool. It was cool, so.、Um, yeah, so anyway, I'm here. Like I, like I said before, last time,、uh, you know, we ended the podcast and I, I kind of zoned in on an episode, on a topic that I think. Will be really beneficial to you if you're thinking about coming to Japan or just interested in Japan. It's kind of centered around the bubble economy in Japan, which is some shit that I didn't really know about before coming here.、Uh, I knew kind of about Japan's economy, just general, but after coming here,、uh, understanding the timeline of how things happened in this country really helped me understand.、Uh, The, the mentality of Japanese people in different age groups and how they differ quite a, quite a bit depending on when they were born and the life experiences they had. And、um, it really does shape the way Japanese people see the world、um, and see Japanese society, let me say that. So,、um, and in some ways, the world too. So, that's kind of what I'm pro- probably going to break this up into parts. Again, it's just a little late in the night. I kind of have some other shit I'd like to be able to do. Before、um, going to bed, so you know, other work related stuff. So, this might be again, might、um, not be a 45 minute to one hour、uh, podcast, but you never fucking know. I don't fucking know, right?、Um, hmm. Again, I'm working on my drinking. If you hear me, just pause for a few seconds. I feel weird doing it, but you know, I'm, I'm drinking some wine. But then again, the more I drink, The more sauced up I get, probably the more I'll start rambling. So we'll probably have a better podcast, if you will. I don't know. We'll see what happens.、Um, so, what I was thinking is how to, how to organize this conversation is I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to break it up into two parts, right? And the, so next week we'll do part two. But this week I want to maybe give 
a general timeline of um, a few of the major events post-war in Japan. I'm not again. I'm not a fucking historian. All right, so I'm not. I wasn't a history major in university, so this shit is not gonna be like History Channel detail type shit. Pretty much just. Um, I got a few pictures. I got a few graphs. Basic graphs I pulled up. I might have to go scrambling for some other shit depending on how the conversation goes. But um, just my general knowledge, talking to students. Japanese people in general, watching TV documentaries and my own personal research, like documentaries and shit, you know, over the past you know, decade and a half, being here damn near, um, I kind of have a pretty solid idea about what has transpired in Japan over the past, let's say, 60-something years. Yeah, let's say 60-something 60 years and how it's kind of shaped Japan um, in its present form. So that's kind of what I'm going to just try and walk you through if you will again if i'm not 100 percent accurate fuck it i'm sorry you know um if you're like wait a second that shit happened in 1975 not 1973 because i checked this shit on wikipedia i'm not fucking wikipedia all right so <laughs> mm. but you know again i have talked to hun literally hundreds of students um from several different industries um about this topic seen countless tv shows again you you know um talking to relatives and people in japanese and english watching uh documentaries and shit like that so that's kind of what i'm gonna try and go through now um for me so let's so let's get into it no real articles no nothing none, none of that shit um just again we're just gonna go straight raw off the dome fucking information kind of you know whatever okay so um for me uh the in my experience the we're talking post world war 2 right so of course after world war 2 you, you you know um japan pretty much started from zero right and i think that is where i'd like to begin because uh in a lot of ways that really marked a turning point in Japanese society, in my opinion, this is all, this is part of my opinion, you know, um, this was kind of a time where pretty much, you know, the board was wiped clean of, in Japan, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the loss of life or, you know, uh, nuclear warfare or anything like that, I'm just talking strictly macroeconomic shit right now, right, strictly society, society as a whole, like the old Meiji era, kind of traditional era, uh, era of Japan was pretty much uh, wiped away, and, you know, Japan was put under the control, direct control of America, and, but more importantly, I think, I really stay focused on Tokyo, because, you know, because pretty much Tokyo was bombed out, bombed the fuck out, like, um, there was literally nothing there. And actually, this reminds me of um, of a um, documentary I watched in Japanese, I think, in, in December. It was one that came on uh, TV. And... Mm. It was really interesting. I still have it saved on like the TV. I want to like watch it with my wife sometime and ask her about it. But it was talking about um, I think it was called like the economic black hole or something like the post-war economic black hole, where basically um, after the war there were you know there was kind of like a quote unquote black economy or you know underground economy uh, where. You know, Yakuza or or companies, business people who who had close ties with like the military and government officials and things like that used their influence to really, um, what's the word? Take advantage of the lack of kind of oversight within the Japanese economy. Uh, so you know, loopholes and things like that. So what ended up happening? Um, if I can kind of concisely summarize this like two hour documentary I watched was you know when okay so Tokyo was basically bombed the fuck out except for a few key sites right particularly the Imperial Palace which was left over so a lot of things like a few major places you've heard me talk about the Imperial Palace being the center of Tokyo 
Now, I've heard, I believe in documentaries, that um, the Imperial Palace, when, when Tokyo was, was bombed by the American military, was one site that was uh, specifically left intact because um, I believe I've heard that the military thought that if they bombed the Imperial Palace, that would enrage Japanese people even more, so much more, and um, they would probably fight to the bitter end versus, you know, leaving that intact where um, it would make the transition of power a bit smoother. So there were a few places, like one of them was some hotel in Tokyo, I forgot, that, that was kept as well. But these kind of places became like hubs for, you know, people of influence in, in um, of course, the American military and business and as well as Japanese, Japanese business people. And what ended up happening was several business, business people in industries, of course, construction industry, which was, was a huge, got, con you know, people, businesses, companies got contracts from the American military, um, the American government, if you will, and kind of blew the fuck up, right? They became overly, well, I want to say overly powerful, but you know, extremely influential and extremely powerful in that that post-war economy. And that that's one thing that I feel kind of trickled, um, has continued to today. Like Japan is a country that kind of continues from the past, if you will. Like I feel like America tends to rewrite its, rewrite its history quite a bit. Um, a lot more often than Japan. Japanese people have a tendency to kind of continue doing things, carry on from the past. Like, again, change isn't really something that happens so swiftly here, uh, and it's not really accepted that much here. But um, in America, it's more... Why, um, again, my home country is America. I don't know about your home country, but in my home country, like it's it's a lot more accepted and a lot more commonplace to kind of completely, you know, if something's not working completely, wipe, wipe everything over and start fresh. Um, but so what that means is let's take the construction industry, for example, because po this is my take on it, because post-war construction was so huge and so um, necessary, like a lot of uh, companies, several companies became, you know, extremely large, extremely influential and kind of got their tentacles, if you will, in government in you know contracts and large scale things like that and you honestly see it today like there is so much brick and mortar construction that goes on in tokyo today or i'll just again using tokyo oh fuck that all over japan um as a um form excuse me as a form of economic stimulus is, is that's like one of the major ways like the government keeps trying to pump money into the economy is through infrastructure projects i mean japan has a fucking dope ass infrastructure you know highways are pristine um subway systems bullet train systems are fucking awesome it's sometimes kind of overkill though like to be honest with you because fucking like every year around march like remember the new fiscal year starts in april so <laughs> what you see it happened this march too of course it happens every year like around February or something, you start noticing a shitload of construction going on. And, you know, every year, like, the the talk is, like, like just driving around, like, fuck, construction over here. Fuck, we got to go this way. Fuck. And it's like, oh, yeah, the fiscal year is ending. So, you know, they're burning off their budget. They're adding stimulus to try and make sure they hit their, um, their budgetary uh, goals or, or whatever spending marks so they just like do a shitload of not unnecessary okay fucking unnecessary ass construction or or repair or whatever just looking for anything like oh there's a crack in the sidewalk we gotta fucking tear the whole thing up and, and redo it you know pretty much um so which really you know it's kind of a a little bit of a pain sometimes but i've I, you know i've seen like I've seen anecdotal evidence of like, you know, whole highway projects and like in some countryside area that's completely unnecessary that like nobody uses the fucking road. But just because, again, injecting jobs, in, you know, it's kind of pork barrel spending, you know, injecting jobs into uh, that local economy. Hey, they need some fucking jobs. Build a fucking highway. No one's going to use it. But fuck it. Just build the motherfucker like, you know, nearby here. Like, I mean. It, it, 
compared with like American roads, it is kind of ridiculous how fast like road construction happens here. Like it literally is like one patch of road. I think like a few weeks, maybe the whole motherfucker was paved over smoothly. Like in I know roads in America where it's like you do some construction, the shit's gonna be bumpy for like years. They're not gonna lay gravel over it to make it smooth. You're just gonna have to deal with like the bumpy ride for like a for forever basically. But here, like it's gotta be fucking smooth, it's gotta be paved over and they make it happen. But traditionally, like uh, again I think going back to like um that post war time, it, I think it, a lot of those major companies, I'm not too familiar with their names. I believe Again, someone I used to have a student who then was like my friend. He's he's in the construction industry. Um, I believe he told me there are like I want to say five major construction companies that just like run everything. And yeah, if I remember from from what he told me in the past, it's coming back to me now. So what it is is Japan it has kind of like a complicated system of what it cause, because it's. It's basically like you got large companies, like I think these, I want to say five, if I'm incorrect, don't blame me, but I'll just say five just for the sake of argument. The five large construction companies, they have, you know, close ties with the government and all that shit. So they get all the big, huge contracts. What they then do is they're going to subcontract their work out to, you know, a pyramid of different subcontractors i i saw one time something like it could go as deep as like 40 you might think it's like two or three levels but it can go as deep as like double digit like 10 levels 20 levels i want to say 50 levels i saw some some pyramid of something a few uh like a chart of something that happened like several years ago and i believe they just illustrated how like it went like 40 or 50 levels deep of like just different companies associated with one um, subcontractors associated with one contract. And again, that's kind of the, how do I explain it? the nature of Japan, if you will, again, like, you know, um, connections are so important here and, you know, being in with people is such a real important thing that, um, that whatchamacallit, uh a lot of a lot of um deals get done on that handshake and even if you've got the goods if you're like yo i can do this better than you know company a can do it a lot better than company b but company b has the connections and, and knows it company b is getting that shit like nobody's gonna fuck with you just because like you've got the skills and the goods you know it is one of those things is who you are versus uh uh, it's who you know versus what you know. Kind of, this, Japan is definitely one of those countries where that really applies. And um, I remember, so my student, my former student, or my friend, like he used to, used to kind of complain a bit because you know, like yeah, he kind of would have to similar like a samurai kind of way like go to the offices of the big companies and he gets a little contract and they then like okay shoo shoo go away you can you, you can get a little piece of this contract and you know he'd be like yo can y'all hook me up can y'all been fucking with y'all for like 10 15 20 years like and they're like no 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 we just need you for that like yeah all right, you can just take that and then get up out of here and so like that's kind of what he i mean you know he he has like a comfortable lifestyle but he always used to kind of express to me his frustration that you know like they wouldn't basically because he wasn't in the quote-unquote club like he really was kind of had a lot of doors shut you know in his face you know it was like just like an old old boys kind of sister old boys club kind of if you will and um especially related to government contracts and stuff like that that's a lot of shit that goes on behind closed doors and just taking taking it back to the top, um, main topic that's things that really have from my understanding have its roots in uh post-war japan i'm pretty sure it went on you know before that time but especially in the construction industry from my understanding that's when it really like took a whole nother level took it to a whole nother level and if we fast forward not only post-war reconstruction um again we another important um point in time 
was the 1964 Olympics, especially for Tokyo, because, you know, similar to what's going on now, but I would imagine it happened on a much more of a massive scale, was um, the amount of infrastructure that needed to be built in and around Tokyo to accommodate the 1964 Olympics. You know, again, Japan, I think what, the mid-40s, I forgot the, the year, mid to late 40s when um, the war ended, but um, World War II ended, take it from that to like 1964, which is like less than like 15, 20 years, basically, you know, to go from like absolute rubble. If you look at any pictures, let me see what the fuck is um, uh, Tokyo post-war photo. Um, let me see. Uh, post. That's a lot of like other stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, if you, it, you know, depending on how sensitive you are to these t- kind of topics, if you, again, some of these images I had never seen until uh, after I lived here, like, of course, I, you know, I know I've seen in, in school and living in America the iconic photo of or uh, video clip of like the bomb being dropped on uh, Hiroshima. And, um, but actually, what Tokyo looked like, if you type in, um, if you Google Tokyo post war photo, um, I believe like the the top row, the third picture, you know, if you just look around at some of these pictures, like you'll kind of see Japan in quite a different image than what I associated it with and what I associated Japan with is um, before coming here. Because, you know, you think like robots and, and future and all this shit. But if you really look at especially like the top few rows or like there are some pictures where it's just like nothing there. It's literally just like a few buildings and nothing is left over at all, which is kind of crazy. You can't I can't imagine what that must have been like. But um, but yeah, so to go from that in less than uh, 50 years, 15, sorry, 15 to 20 years to hosting the Olympics was crazy and it took a massive amount of you know infrastructure development money sweat things like that and i mean in drama tv dramas and um Mm. tv dramas commercials like things like that i kind of see that theme repeated how it really the olympics really really galvanized um japan japan and japanese people and you know Working together in a group for like one common cause is something that Japanese people do really well. So that was kind of like the thing. And, you know, putting like sweat equity into like building the economy was a big thing. And a lot of people um, in the media, especially, really romanticized that time as like one of the golden eras of modern Japan. You know, the time where Japan kind of rose from literally literally the ashes and um, grabbed the spotlight of the world. And that's kind of a theme that um, I see repeated a lot here in Japan is, you know, Japan and Japanese people getting the attention of the world and being recognized of the worldwide is some is something um that japanese people really really hold dear to be honest with you um now that i think about it and 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 just conversations i've had with japanese people you know it might be uh, in some ways a napoleon complex you know this it's a small country it's an island nation um you know, compared with foreign people, generally Japanese people are kind of smaller, you know. Um, so, especially during that time, I'm not sure how much it is true now. In some ways, it might have morphed a bit now, but during that time, especially, you know, um, Japan was basically brought to its knees and was able to, you know, pull itself up and gain international recognition, which was, which was, in ingratiate itself a little bit more into like the rest of the world you know bring itself into the modern world if you will so i mean with that i mean you know the invention of the bullet train came from here from my understanding if i'm wrong don't but again let me know excuse me I'm sorry i just ate dinner but um yeah the bullet train highway the highway system here um 
you know, lots of buildings and, and, and things like stadiums and things like that, roads and, and you know, just uh, over the overpass, like you've heard me talk about in a previous episode, the crazy Tokyo overpass uh, highway system was built for the Olympics, um, which, by the way, is an anecdote now. There's a lot of uh, pouring some more wine, if you will. Um, there's a lot of talk as far as, um, yeah, sorry. There's a lot of talk as far as, um, how much that highway system is going to need to be revamped in the future, whether, whether it will be revamped in the future. I'm not sure if they decided not to, I think, I think they did decide just to leave it the way it is just because like to save cash. Thank goodness. Because, you know, before this new governor came in, they were, I thought they were going to fucking bankrupt the country for these next Olympics coming up in a couple of years. But this new governor is like, yo, pump the fucking brakes. Let's not fucking go bankrupt over this shit. Like, you know, we can, we don't have to spend all our fucking cash on this. But mm. going back to my previous topic is related to that. I really do think like that old kind of system of just like, you know, that old boys network was really ready to like, you know, fleece the fuck out of the country for the Olympics. And um, long story short, what ended up, I'm getting a little sidetracked, but what ended, ended up happening was a new female, the first female governor, governor of Tokyo. Um, what's her damn name? Um, governor Koike something. Governor Tokyo Koike something. Um, what's, what's, what's her fucking name? Uh, Yuriko Koike is her name. You can read up on her a little bit. Yeah, from 2006. There were, <laughs> there were some crazy-ass scandals. I'm not even going to get into it. There have been so many fucking scandals in Japan like in these past few years. I'm not even going to get into it. But long story short, there were two governors in a row had to resign. So she came in. And she came in as governor. And she was like, she started looking at the budget and all this shit for the Olympics. And finding like all these holes in the budget. She, she's, she's kind of an outsider. She's not in the system, quote unquote. So she was like, yo, um, we don't really need to be spending all this fucking money. Some of this shit doesn't even make sense because people just like, you know, write blank checks. It's, it's the country's money. It's, so they're just like, fuck it, whatever, you know, or Tokyo's money. So they're just like, fuck it, whatever. They prefer to do inside deals for their buddies instead of like actually trying to like balance the budget. Shit's kind of crazy sometimes here. Yeah. But, um, but um, but she kind of came in and really put a rein in on the spending. And I, I have confidence that she's going to keep the budget for the Olympics kind of within reason. You know, she's really like cutting the budget for a lot of shit that made no fucking sense. I mean, a lot of construction where if you heard about it, you were like, are you fucking serious? Like the plans for this make no fucking sense. But they're just going to build this huge fucking like new facility that doesn't even think it can accommodate shit just because it sounds cool like you know and you know again it'll be like a lot of money in the pockets of construction companies so i think they fucking hate her because of that but you know i'm fucking happy she didn't she didn't bankrupt fucking tokyo because i was like when after the olympics were announced like after a few years i was like yo tokyo's gonna go bankrupt after these fucking olympics but um but with her there i'm kind of a little bit more hopeful so, but anyway, anyway, so going back to the 1964 Olympics, um, yeah, that was a real, you know, turning point, which brought Japan into international prominence, really ramped up the infrastructure machine, ramped up the corporate machine, ramped up like the economy in general, you know, manufacturing, all of those things really came into account. And um, that's kind of what was started. The, that 1964 again. I see it in, in movies. I think uh, old, old, not old boy. Some, 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 some century boys or some, some shit like that. it was. Some century boys was it? Century boys. Uh, boys. Twentieth uh, century boys. What the fuck is this? Wait, I'm, I'm looking at some, some shit. Um, this is a song. Um, uh, movie. Let me try one thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I never really watched the movie, but um, 20th Century Boys is a trilogy of movies about. I don't fucking know, actually, <laughs> but <laughs> it's based on some comic or something like that. But I remember part of it is based pre Olympics. Again, 
I'm just talking about talking out of my ass. Um, there was another movie. Uh, Olympics movies. Again, just bear with me. Let me check something out. Um, something. Something. Chome. Something Chome. Ah, uh, fuck. I wish I could remember the movie. Um, the, uh, always. What is it? Always. Yeah, that's what it is. Always Sancho Me no Yugata, 1964. Um, Yuhi. Oh, Always Sancho Me no Yuhi, 1964 is the name of the movie. I Again, I didn't watch it. This is the type of shit I'm not going to watch. But I remember seeing advertisements for it. And uh, let me see if I can find Always 1964 movie. Uh, let's see what comes up. Uh, yeah, if you type in Always 64 movie, it comes up in Japanese. But um, it, it, it looked to me like a movie about um, the Olympic, the time of the Olympics. Yeah, if you type in Always 64 movie English, uh, you can also find it as well on Wikipedia. Just do a little bit of searching. Um, oh, ah, I think I found the English title. It's... Um, Always Sunset on 3rd Street. Again, the English title looks like it's Always Sunset on 3rd Street, 64. I think that's what it is. Um, I'm just going to play a little bit of it. Let me just see. Again, I, I, I saw previews of the shit when it came out quite a bit. I never watched the movie because I'm not really into it. But let me just see. Like a little bit. It's a, of course, it's a Japanese movie. Let me see. Hmm. Like building the fucking... Yeah. Tokyo Tower when the Tokyo Tower was going up mm. so a girl who came from Aomori yeah mm. yeah okay I think this movie will give you an idea about life in Tokyo around okay I'm gonna stop that shit um, I'm just gonna play the trailer until it mutes yeah, but if you want to know a bit more about what life in um, Tokyo was like around that time, Always Sunset on 3rd Street uh, will, will probably be the thing for you to watch. Again, like, yeah, I, I, I saw, like, a lot of previews for it. I never watched the movie just because, like, this kind of nostalgic shit isn't really my thing. But getting a feel for what you know, Japan was like at that time is quite a, a bit of context that I think is really important um, in like understanding modern Japan. It was kind of different than my image of Japan. And, and also I didn't really know um, that there was a lot of turmoil and, and, and political strife and things like that that went on in and around like the 60s in Japan. So I think that's something that will paint a different picture. Again, Tokyo and Japan is just not all about like robots in the future and all this shit. Like life was pretty fucking you know, in some ways pretty gritty back then and, and, and Japanese people were really trying to come up and, um, you know, get their props, if you will, uh, during that time. And it, this movie looks like it's something that um, that um, really shed some light on that. Again, I'm just talking on my ass. I've never watched it. Probably never going to watch it. It came out in 2006, it looks like. But yeah, um, I, again, I used to watch see previews for the shit like all the fucking time. But so that's just another movie recommendation. It's a Japanese flick. Um, check it out if you want to, right? Mm. So let's fast forward, right? So the Olympics happened. You know, Japan's developing. If you, if you, even if you look at the pre preview of it, you can see life is life there is kind of very much working class, but the economic engine is starting to get pumping. Post Olympics, it goes into super hyperdrive, right? And in the 70s and 80s, that's when, um, especially the 80s, that's when Japan moves into the forefront of e economics, right? Like that kind of momentum of we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it. That kind of frantic enthusiasm. This excuse me, pretty much a trait can be a trait of Japanese people. That group mentality really kicked into overdrive, overdrive, and you know Japan is going to be fucking number one in the world. Kicked off. 
and we move into the bubble economy. Now, um, I've heard at the time, even at that time, people called it the bubble economy. I'm not quite, I was thinking about it quite a bit today. I'm not sure if people called it the bubble economy because everyone knew that it was an economic bubble or if, you know, things being bubbly. Sometimes I hear bub- the word bubbly used uh, quite a bit here, uh, meaning something is, I don't know, fun or fresh or whatever. So I'm not sure if which which one was the reason why but um it might have been because people knew it was a fucking bubble but no one gave a fuck you know because the times were good and if you look at where was it? i pulled up a chart earlier let me see if i can find it um um a picture ah yeah so one second give me one second let me see uh not that bullshit <laughs> um there's a chart of japan's stock market yeah yeah so basically what happened was um in the 80s if you look at if you look at any historical chart of the nikkei index from the 80s in japan the shit went bananas right like it literally went from like um a point of like 7000 almost in like 1981 all the way up to almost 40000 right and just year by year it, it, once the 80s kicked in it was just growth after growth after growth after growth after growth you know um the real estate bubble in Japan was fucking crazy like real estate market was 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 off the fucking chain um and yeah it, it you know, Japanese people, sorry, 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 sorry for yawning, um, Japanese people and Japanese companies were spending cash like it was fucking running out of business, again, next time I'm gonna look for more anecdotal shit, um, lifestyle shit, some, reaching some stories I've heard, maybe movies I've seen, try, I was trying to find a list, I'll probably do some digging before, a list of shit that happened during the bubble economy, but, you know, it, it was fucking party time in Japan, basically. No one gave a fuck. Every, you know, every, like, all the people who are, like, 40 and over always, or 50, you know, maybe 50, always talk about, like, that time with, like, oh, yeah, that shit was fun. You know, everyone's just, like, partying and, I guess, like, fucking and, and dancing and, you know, working hard and making money and traveling and doing whatever the fuck they wanted, skiing and shit, whatever the fuck they wanted to do. You know, um, golfing and shit and buying cars and riding around and, you know, making money. And, um, until that shit came to a fucking end. Like in, um, and if I go back to the, if you, if you, um, can find the chart again, the Nikkei index is, is what it is. Uh, if you, I'm sure if you type in Nikkei index bubble economy, um, it'll come up and the shit went from close to 40,000 or, or any, let me see if there's any video I can find, which I might be able to recommend. Uh, let me see. Let me, let me do a little digging for you. Housing, uh, uh, Japan stock market crash in eighty nine. Um, uh, 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 if you YouTube again without getting too deep into it, because a lot of this shit is. Uh, a lot of this shit is, you know, deep stock market shit, but, um, if, I mean, let me just click this one. Okay, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. You can do your own digging if you want to, but just give you something maybe you can watch and see. Some of this stuff is in, let me, let me, let me listen and see what's going on. You you just have to look around for yourself. I'm not gonna spend all day on this. Okay, again, I'm not. Okay, I'm not gonna spend all my time on this bullshit. But anyway, um, 
Yeah, you you can look around for yourself um, for anything related to the bubble economy and the crash. But mm. times were good, and and here, um, and I've heard like a lot of stories, talk to a lot of people, um, and you know some people are bitter and like I remember that shit was good, and and some people you know are just like reminisce sometimes. But was that an earthquake? Oh no. No, okay. Um, but yeah, so that was a major point in time. Probably in the next episode, I'm probably going to spend a lot more time on the bubble economy just because, like, that was when a lot of fun shit was happening, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, but so the stock market crashes in, like, you know, 1990, I think, or 89, 90, some shit around, around there. Um, what happens after that is what's interesting and was which kind of brings us more into like the modern jap where japanese is, japan is at present there was the lo- there's there was quote unquote the lost decade in japan and again if you google uh let me let me just google it just to double check uh japan lost decade lost decade yeah um yeah, if you just Google Japan Lost Decade, there's Wikipedia, there's other shit if you want. Um, but pretty much what that is, is the time after um, the crash where Japan's economy was just like flat as a fucking pancake and didn't move at all and was kind of mildly deflationary. And that was around the time when I came to Japan. Like, Japan was a very fucking boring place. Like, you know... Um, the housing bubble in the states was still, still was starting to affect Japan, and there was still some movement in Japan's economy related to that. You know, things were kind of looking a bit optimistic, but the consensus was Japan's economy is not going anywhere. Economics were pretty much flat. Everything is pretty much predictable for at least ten years. Slightly deflationary. There's no reason to spend money. You know, there's no just save money. Um, housing prices were, you know, down like um, every year, pretty much deflationary every year. Like, there's, that's kind of the, the mood. That was the mood when I came here. It was just like Boringsville. Like, the party's over. You know, everything kind of sucks now. So we just got to, like, go amongst our everyday life. You know, nothing really exciting happened at all, economically speaking. And so what ended up happening was how that... Uh, in, and that con- that continued until about I want to say four years ago, four or five years ago when Abenomics happened. Um, but um, pretty much like yeah, um, this current generation of how what that has a big impact on is because you know I'm, I'm in my thirties so. Um, I'm I'm an 80s baby. People in my age group, you know, in their mid to older 30s, they're the kids of bubble economy people, right? Meaning, um, they were born and raised during the Japan during the party times. So, you know, they were getting all the toys, they were getting all the the family comps and Nintendos, and all the shit was popping. You know, when they were babies, they didn't have a time to enter society, but they still had some residual, you know, um, idea of what life was like back there, back then. People in their twenties know. If you think about it, someone born in like 1990 is what, 26 now? Oh my gosh, 28. Oh fuck, I'm getting older. <laughs> right? So someone born in 1990 is 28 now. What that means is you have a whole generation of people who came into adulthood not knowing what like a growth in the Japanese economy was like. Now that's a huge shift, right? Because if you really think about it, from after World War II, until 1990, Japan saw nothing but growth. It was just like growth, a growth going to, you know, from ground zero, grow, growing to the Olympics, then growing into the manufacturing boom, then growing into the, the bubble economy. So that kind of we can do it, that hungry kind of Japanese spirit was really strong in several generations of Japanese people, you know. Um, and then you have now... A generation of people in their 20s who kind of want to play it safe, 
who kind of who were highly conservative and highly pessimistic and skeptical of any type of you know growth or risk or things like that because they they grew up in a, a quite a pessimistic environment a very deflationary environment where um you know saving money and just like even having like a small low salary but something that's safe that you can hold on to that you're not going to get fucking fired you know is the goal and that's what you hear on tv i'll say again there's this is a generalization but on tv and and talking to people and stuff that's kind of they're not really dreaming they're not swinging for the fences if you will you know as much as before um and for a lot of older people who've come up who came up in around that time that's kind of frustrating for for them you know their bosses and things like that they're like dude how the fuck do we get these motherfuckers to like go for it but you know, everyone's just like, yeah, I just want a job and I just want to, like, save some money and be able to, like, do whatever I want to do in my free time. You know, like, that's kind of what my feeling of people in their 20s is like now. So older people are like, yo, don't you want a car? Don't you want a big house? Don't you want some jewelry? Don't you want a fucking Rolex? And they're like, uh, that's kind of expensive. I just want to, you know, save some That's a waste of money. I just prefer to go to Uniqlo. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, so there's this big generation clash, and um, and just taking the past few years, um, again, you've heard me talk about Abenomics. Uh, again, you can just Google it. Uh, A B E N A B E Nomics. Okay, <laughs> Abenomics. Um, it was the big push by the current prime minister and the Bank of Japan to quote unquote break the deflationary mind of Japanese people, which had existed uh, for over 20 years. But eh, that's been having mixed results. I'm not going to get too much into it in this episode. If you want to hear more, just hit me up. I didn't give any shout outs for my shit, but, you know, questions for Akil, um, Instagram, anything like that. If you want to hear more of this shit, any more in-depth Akil analysis of Japanese economic history, let me know. Um, again, I, I used to be really deep into this shit. Um, fuck, how long ago was that? Like, well, damn, that's like maybe eight years ago. Because um, to be honest with you, like, yeah, after the Lehman shock, quote unquote Lehman shock, we call it the Lehman shock here in Japan, which is the economic collapse of 2008. I think that's what you call it outside Japan, but in Japan, it was called the Lehman Shock. I was here during that time, so I call it the Lehman Shock. I really don't know what the fuck else to call it. But um, during the Lehman Shock times, um, yeah, uh, I was really, you know, I kind of freaked out, just like I'm sure a lot of other people, like, what the fuck happened? So I was really deep into economics and macroeconomics and, you know, central banking policy and Google and all this shit and all these conspiracy theories and all this fucking crazy shit. So I spent like a year or two, you know, um, sleepless nights watching Bloomberg and fucking, you know, Greece's economy and all that shit. So um, I'm not going to bore you all with all this shit. I'm kind of over it now. But, you know, in general, I have a pretty solid idea about what's going on and, you know, so if, so that means if I have students who are bankers and stuff like that, I can kind of go back and forth with them on it. No problem. I'm very much self-taught, uh, but I don't pretend to be a fucking expert, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, so anyway, Abenomics is the, the economic policy that has kind of injected some a lot of life into Japan's economy. And it's gone from, I think it was like 8,000 after Lehman shock to like, 20 close to 25,000 now but again it's well off from like damn near 40,000 which it was at, at its highest so um people are like yeah it's good but yeah I remember when the shit was popping <laughs> well, older people are kind of like that so um but you know hey whatever um so that's pretty much it again I was drinking so we did get a full episode I lied again haha which is you know not a bad thing mm. Mm. Wine makes makes the podcast fine, right? <laughs> I need to be drinking more of this shit when I'm doing a podcast, then. But I think that that brings us to the present. That I think that's a good bow to kind of put on everything, um, and some good context for overall context for Japan. You got some movies. You got some other recommendations. If you want to do some more research, you know, Google, YouTube, 
there's a there's a rabbit hole you can go down. My suggestion would be instead of reading like articles and shit, just watch documentaries. You know, post-war Japan documentaries, Japan in the '80s documentaries, Japan in the '70s documentaries. There's a lot of history in Japan, like especially like this. The 60s and 70s was a time for me. I had to do a bit of digging to find information about, like videos about, documentaries about, about like what went on there. It really wasn't something I knew a lot about. I knew about World War II. I knew a little bit about the Olympics. I knew a bit about the 80s. And you know, now you know about present Japan, but there really was, it was a journey for, from, especially from after World War II until like, let's say the 80s. Um, that really doesn't get talked about as much outside Japan or just kind of lost in the sauce, if you will. Um, but it really gives you a better picture of, you know, Japan, especially because Japanese people are getting older. Japanese society is aging. I think that's something that's really important to understand. So you can kind of understand, get a context for the lives of those people, you know, like 50 plus, for example. Um, and really understand the factors that affected their way of thinking. If if you really want to know more about Japanese people, um, that again, that's something like I spent like you know about a year or two in my free time just kind of looking into, and it gave me some valuable context, which helps me deal with Japanese people in general, um, older people. So just understanding where they're coming from, and, and you know when the, where their priorities are, and how they see things, and shit like that. So you know, just my some general advice for you all. But, but I got to get the fuck out of here, okay? Um, we're set up for next week. Again, um, between now and then, if you have any questions, questions for Akil at gmail.com, uh, Instagram, A-K-I-L dot W-A-T-S-O-N. Hit me up. Anything you want to know, if you want me to expand on this topic more, want me to go into depth with anything else, you know, I, I, during the week, I can probably do a little bit more research. If there's something specific that comes up, I'll do, I can do some more research and guide you into whatever you want me to kind of guide you to. But if not, I'll just get into more, some anecdotal shit, especially probably more about the bubble economy because the shit that I heard from that time was really like, what the fuck? It was kind of interesting. So, I, I kind of figure you'd probably get a kick out of it too. So that's kind of where I'll leave it. Again, hopefully this was really fun. I kind of went off. I feel good about this episode. Bing, bang, boom. You know, um, so I'm going to try and bring it to you raw next time. All right, y'all. Let me get up out of here. Peace. <laughs>